This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. and we are on the other side of 300 episodes. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. So how does it feel to be past the 300 mark at this point? I feel like it's the day after you throw this like really huge party where you have all your friends over and you know you might order some food, have some drinks, and just mm-hmm. have a really good time. And then it's the next day and you're like... Okay, now what do I do next? That's <laughs> kind of that's, that's kind of how I feel. But no, it's it, it, it was a lot of fun last week having you know Joey mm-hmm. and Wally on to do our top five list, celebrate three hundred episodes, and now we'll uh, the the count is on for four hundred. Mm-hmm. And in between that, we had Thanksgiving. How did you? How was your Thanksgiving? It was pretty good. I you know, did the whole family thing, you know, like usual. Wasn't really home all that much all weekend. It was actually quite busy with family stuff, and then you know I had other things going on as well. So uh, ate way too much food. Felt like I was full up until like Saturday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I about had, you? I had no choice but to stay home all weekend because uh, <laughs> I had major car trouble on Friday and I had to put my car in the shop and now it is Monday and $1,600 later, my car is finally fixed. (laughs) That, that I've hurt for you. Yeah. Well, it's not so bad. It wouldn't be so bad if it was just that, but I just dropped a thousand dollars on it. Like three months ago, if that was it two, three months ago, I had to have the air conditioner fixed. That was a thousand bucks. Because it happened to us around the same time, because mm-hmm. I had to pay around the same amount. Yeah, it's so that it's brings, insane how much it costs to get your car fixed. Brings the grand total to twenty six hundred dollars I've spent on that stupid car in the last three months. Yeah. Uh, Welcome that's... to adulting. I'm done with adulting. I want to go back to the to to the tutorial. Can I go back to the tutorial, please? I think I messed something I... up. If only we could hit the reset button. Yeah. So if anybody's feeling the Christmas cheer and wants to help me pay down some of this debt I have, <laughs> my cash app is dollar sign J-B-O-B-F-F-G. And I would greatly appreciate any donations made in this holiday season uh, if you feel so inclined. So that would help out a lot. Yeah, people don't realize how just expensive everything has gotten. I'm sure... Some do, but it's just insane. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely insane. So I was telling Derek right before the show, I was like, man, I might have to go to the bank and do some debt consolidation this week so I can get some of this uh, under control that's been just hemorrhaging money over the last few months. Is not good, and I don't like it. I hate being an adult. It's awful. It sucks. I don't recommend it. Yeah, just 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 pass through that. Don't don't worry about it. But um, are you ready to go into the news for this episode yeah, 301? Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> ah, wrong one. 
sorry. It's been a while since I had to hit that button. So. <laughs> hey, it, what would it be if I didn't mess something up during the show? Uh, it's all good. It makes 301 memorable. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this first story, actually, today's stories were submitted to us by Mr. Tyler Watson. I am the Rampage and Armez Jackson. And if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And, of course, to me, the biggest news of the week, I found this on Nintendo NintendoWire.com. You can now unofficially download any or all issues of Nintendo Power. Um, let's see. Where is it actually started? It said, the, uh, this is all unofficial. The product of Video Game Magazine Archival Project Retro Mags. Uh, the files are all in .cbr format, totaling over 40 gigabytes for the whole mother load. From the middle of the NES age to the dawn of the Wii U era. You can also download individual issues if you want through the site, though the site is experiencing heavy traffic at the moment. Uploader Gumball puts this in the description. Every issue of Nintendo Power from number 1 to 285 in CBR format. From what I could tell, there wasn't a collection of every single issue in one place, but a scattered collection of different sets, none of which were complete. So I put this together with the help of some awesome people some awesome people for all to enjoy. And it says a uh, little comment here. Nintendo is of course notorious for litigating even the humblest of fan uploads. So we can only hope they don't smite this one down. Please don't do that. Nintendo, please. I mean, they should already have these available. I know, right. To view online, but of course they don't, but th- this is really cool. And, and, you know, we've talked about Nintendo power quite a bit throughout the, the long course of the show and one of my biggest regrets is i wish i still had my old nintendo powers because i i had up until the gamecube i had every issue yeah i I just i didn't um, i didn't think to keep them i had like issue starting with issue two and all the way to like 1993 i think when i stopped 92 or 93 when i stopped getting it so however many issues that was probably like 40 50 uh issues i had um or maybe 30 something like that i had a bunch but i lost them all in katrina and that just Mm. makes me itch (laughs) but joey joey uh, image is in the chat room and he says he still has his original uh first issue which i have seen in person he let me see it last time i was up there to visit that's awesome yeah yeah I i remember every month looking forward to getting this in the mail because I, I love Nintendo Power. I read it religiously. I, I love the reviews they would do. They would have like little comic strips, some just as simple as, you know, like a one-page deal. Um, they did adaptations of like Super Mario World, Link to the Past, and a few other um, SNES games. And they would release like a few pages a month. And it eventually form a whole story, and it, it was uh-huh. it was really cool. But Nintendo Power was such a great magazine. But I mean, we we live in an age where physical media isn't as prevalent anymore. I mean, look at Entertainment Weekly and how long that was going, and now they don't do physical uh-huh. magazines anymore. But just the fact that Nintendo will constantly try to take this stuff down instead of just putting this out themselves, like why are you not doing that? Why do you? Why does Nintendo? continue to just be weird about stuff like this. I don't get it. If we knew the answer to that question, we'd be getting paid to do this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Rampage is also in the chat room. What's up, Rampage? 
Rampage! Let's see. Our next story comes to us from Kotaku.com. This this hurts me. Mm -hmm. This really hurts me to read this, but I have to do it. Legendary Sonic designer Yuji Naka arrested in Japan. Over the past 24 hours, a number of people in Japan, including a Square Enix employee, have been arrested on insider trading charges related to a Dragon Quest game announcement. Legendary Sega designer Yuji Naka is reportedly among them. The scandal centers around a studio called Aiming, which in 2020 was announced as the developer of a new Dragon Quest game called Tact. Last night, it was first alleged that 38-year-old Square Enix employee Tasuki Sazaki, who has worked on Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts games, knew of the deal before it was publicly announced. And along with a friend, purchased a ton of shares in Aiming, hoping to profit with their share price, presumably went up. And then Yuji Naka, who is credited as one of the main creators of Sonic the Hedgehog and has also worked on Nights into Dreams and Fantasy Star, has since been arrested on similar charges. For those who don't know a lot about the corporate world, uh-huh. <laughs> there there's a, a list of stuff that, you know, like is really bad. Insider trading, if it's not at the top, it's pretty close to it. So I mean, they if, put if Martha Stewart in prison for, in, yes. for insider trading. If Martha Stewart can go to jail for it, <laughs> then anybody on this planet mm-hmm. can go. And I can guarantee you that if this is true, then, yeah, we won't be hearing from these people for a while. Yeah, he's uh, it, whew, that. that's just... That's tough because what if you're in that situation and you get wind of something that could possibly make a ton of money and you make a ton of money, but it's linked back to you knowing beforehand what's about to happen. You, you are, you just dug yourself a grave under the jail these days. And the thing is we live in a day, in a day and age where, People are going to find out if you do mm-hmm. something like that. So why do it? Yeah, the paper trail's way too easy on this type of stuff. Yeah, this is just dumb. Mm. It is really dumb, and it's it's a shame. I'm, I'm still going to play the games, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> from NintendoEverything.com, Warside Advance Wars-inspired turn-based tactics game planned for Switch. Lava Bird is currently developing Warside, a new turn-based tactics game. Tactics game. It's planned for a fall 2023 release on Switch. Um, Warside takes inspiration from Advance Wars as well as other titles such as Into the Breach and Wargroove. However, the team believes it can evolve the space fur- the space further. It features a story campaign, features a- over 30 missions, 12 commanders with unique passive skills and battle powers, and over 20 unit types. The game will have different types of missions, including escort, rescue, infiltration, and more. There are even plans for local and online multiplayer. They had me up until they said escort. Anything with escort missions, I'm out. I don't like escort missions. Yeah, and I remember when the Advance Wars games came out, I, I heard good things about them for the most part. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I was a little intrigued, but like you, I'm not... I'm not big into the escort missions, so yeah, take the, that out. A, take that out. They me. got me. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. So I, I think I'll pass on this. Yeah. I mean, it looks cool. I'd like to try it, but yeah, as soon as I hear escort mission, that's like a that's a 
a definite no from that's yeah. a no from me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big old bag of nope. Yep. Uh from uh gagadget.com. That's fun to say. Mm -hmm. uh, Microsoft offered Sony a 10-year contract to release Call of Duty games on PlayStation, but the Japanese company is ignoring the agreement. Regulators in 16 countries continue to examine the terms and consequences of the deal between Microsoft and Activision Blizzard. European antitrust commissions have decided to extend the proceedings until March 2023, while some countries, including Brazil and Saudi Arabia, have already expressed their approval. The stumbling block is Call of Duty, as Sony claims that once the deal is done, Microsoft will make games in the series and Xbox console exclusive, depriving PlayStation users of access to it. A new article in the New York Times claims that in order to expedite approval of the deal, Microsoft has offered Sony a 10-year contract to bring Call of Duty games to the PlayStation. It is alleged that Sony representatives flatly refused to comment on the offer, so the U.S. corporation sees this silence as a sign of manipulation of the opinion of regulators by the Japanese company and misleading regulators. Many analysts have already expressed fears that the deal between Microsoft and Activision Blizzard could fail, and to a greater extent, the reason will be Sony's position on Call of Duty. This is just a mess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is an absolute mess. The way I look at it is Microsoft is the I think the only one in and out of all the console uh you know video game companies where they're willing to put their games on other systems in order to maximize their profits and they're willing to play nice with other consoles like you know they were talking to Nintendo for a while they're they're extending this olive branch to Sony. But I don't know. I mean, Microsoft just seems like the kind of company that just wants to make as much money as possible. And the way to do that is to make all those games available wherever. I mean, they're not going to do that with Halo, of course, because that's a strictly, you know, Xbox yeah. thing. But because and not that people will say, yeah, it's it's a Microsoft IP, but they didn't necessarily invent it, but they bought it and it became, you know, the Microsoft Xbox flagship title. Same thing with Sony stuff like God of War. You know, you're not going to see stuff like that on the Xbox 360, maybe. I mean, I think you can now. Um, but I think the days of exclusives are coming to an end, except for, like, Nintendo. They'll never put their stuff on Sony and, and uh, Microsoft. But I think between Microsoft... Uh, and Sony and whatever Apple's going to do if they ever jump in the gaming market and all that. I think if you make everything just across the board available everywhere, you're going to maximize the amount of money you're going to make because consoles aren't going to be a thing much longer. I still say if Nintendo put Zelda on a PlayStation or an Xbox, it would sell really well. I would, but they're never going to do that. Oh, I'm saying that, yeah, I know that, but I wish they would, to be perfectly honest. I know it would be something that neither of us thought we would ever see in our lifetime, but I, I agree with you. I think, you know, the Nintendo aside, the days of exclusives, I think, are are just about done. And Wally's seriously going to disagree with us, and we'll hear about this on Twitter tomorrow. But that's just my opinion. I think consoles are going to be a thing of the past 
maybe we'll get one more cycle of uh you know PlayStation 6 and Xbox whatever the next one's going to be called then after that it's I think consoles are just going to go away at some point well speaking of PS6 yeah <laughs> that's why I mentioned that <laughs> nice <laughs> nice little segue I set up there yeah. for you uh, uh this is you Oh, okay. I, actually, I was looking at the chat room. Joey said he's downloading the Retro Mags Retro Mags pack now. 320 gigs. <laughs> what? <laughs> so check back tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see you later, Joey. You're going to eat up all your <laughs> bandwidth for the rest of the night. Just uh, uh, text us in our group chat when it's done. <laughs> uh, but this is from comicbook.com. PS6 release date seemingly leaked by official documents. The PS6 release date, or at least its release window, has seemingly been leaked in new official documents thanks to the ongoing drama involving Xbox acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Ever since Xbox announced it was acquiring the makers of Call of Duty and more for $68.7 billion, PlayStation has been speaking with regulators around the world to try and get the deal struck down. Uh, the latest development in the saga involves the Competition and Markets Authority in the UK, which is investigating the deal. And at this point, the entire saga um, is just uh, this is just too much. We've already talked to this to death. <laughs> but uh, PlayStation confirms this console won't be out before the holiday of 2027. Meanwhile, the other language of the argument combined with historical data about how long console generations are suggest that the PS6 will be out in 2028 or possibly 2029. It could be even later, but it apparently won't be won't be out sooner. I think that's a little too far away, honestly. I'll be 42. Let's see. When that comes out. 2028 is what? 6 years from now? Uh I'll be 52, <laughs> 51 somewhere around there. Yeah, I I don't think it'll be that late. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, it's 2027 seems a little more likely if I had to guess, but I don't know. It's just with these latest consoles, the fact that they're so hard to find is honestly kind of turned me off on getting one. I'm sure eventually I will. I just hope that it's like stores still don't have PS5s. Yeah, I know. From, from what I've seen, so... Why would I think it would be any different with the PS6? Yeah. I, so I, for for that, it makes me, it's tough to get me excited about that where I know I'm likely not going to be able to find one. Yeah. I was thinking if the, the next round of uh, consoles would probably be 2026, 2027, but 2028 and 2029 seems just a little bit too far away for me. I don't know. I could we'll see if like, if, if Nintendo waited until 2027, then the Switch would have been out for a decade at that yeah. point. <laughs> They're not going to wait that long. No. I bet we get an announcement early next year or mid-next year for the next Nintendo console. What year do you think it's going to come out? I say by 20, late 2024. Holiday 2024. It'll be hitting the shelves. I was going to say 2025. Right. So we'll 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 see if either one of us are right. It'll probably be twenty twenty six, and then we'll both be wrong. Yeah, probably. <laughs> We're always wrong anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, we still have fun doing the show anyway. 
Okay, uh, last story from Polygon.com. This was a pretty fun list. The 30 mm-hmm. best couch co-op games for the Switch. Uh, there's a lot to love about the Nintendo Switch, not least of which is the abundance of titles with local multiplayer features, making it a great console for game night with friends or a casual play session with a roommate. We've collected some of our favorite titles that allow for good old-fashioned local play, and I'm not going to go through every single one of these, but uh, for two players, we have Stardew Valley, which is a really fun game if you're a fan of like the Harvest Moon, mm-hmm. um, if the Harvest Moon franchise. Uh, Portal Companion Collection, uh, Good Job, which is uh, you play the CEO of a large corporation and your wisdom is required to help employees stay on task. Hmm. Sounds like uh, work. Captain, <laughs> right. Captain Toad Treasure Tracker, which is something that I still haven't played yet. Uh, I just love this for the title, The Untitled Goose Game. I want to try this game. I've been hearing I, so I do much about it. Yeah, same. Uh, Luigi's Mansion 3, Cuphead, Unravel 2, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, uh, Cat Quest 2, hmm. Unsighted, Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. I do like the original Shovel Knight game. Mm-hmm. It was pretty fun. Yeah, those are good. Uh, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker Saga, which I still need to play. Uh, for two or more players, Spelunky 2, I never Rayman Legends Definitive games. Edition, uh, Rocket League, Towerfall Ascension, Minecraft, the Switch Edition, Overcooked, All You Can Eat. I have played Overcooked. It's it's fun, especially if you get a group of people. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Uh, Mario Party, Nintendo Switch Sports. Lovers in a Dangerous Space-Time. <laughs> Never heard of that uh, one. I haven't either. Uh, TMNT Shredder's Revenge, which is really fun. Yes. And Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Yeah, there's some which good, I love. really good games on this list. If you're looking for some good multiplayer stuff, um, there's definitely, you, you can find a lot of that stuff on the Switch that are really good multiplayer games. And shout out to our community manager over on Discord, Bethany Fox, for gifting... Uh, me and Derek Splatoon 3 for Christmas. Yes. So we're going to get some Splatoon 3 nights going here pretty soon. Yeah, no, I can't wait. I I've, I love the original Splatoon, So, and I, I've been wanting to play the new one, so I'm, I'm really excited. So yeah, thank you, Bethany Fox, for that. Yeah, I've been playing the hell out of it the last few days. It's really it's addic- fun. It, those <laughs> games are addictive. But, uh, but that brings us to this month in video game history. Now I'm going to play the right file. In November of 1983, Konami releases Time Pilot for arcades in Japan. I remember us talking about this over the the last few years. I still don't remember ever playing this game, but I do love the, the, the art for this game. It sounds like the name of like a bad 80s sci-fi movie. It is. Have you I think there's an uh Wally could correct me, probably correct me, but I think MST3K did uh a, a movie called Time Pilot if I'm not mistaken. And I remember oh watching it on a D, uh MST3K DVD. Let's see. I'm almost positive. Nothing's nothing's coming up. Huh. Let's see, MST There's, 3K. Let's see, Time Pilot movie. Uh, it might be Time Chasers. 
let's see, that's the Time Pilot game. Mm, not seeing anything. Uh, okay, yeah, I think it was called Time Chasers, is what I'm thinking of. Close enough. I just don't want Wally to correct us. <laughs> we do our real-time fact-checking on this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, November 30th of 1996, Konami and Appaloosa Interactive releases Contra Legacy of War for the PlayStation and Sega Saturn in North America, which is the first true 3D entry in the popular Contra series. We need some more entries into the Contra series from Konami. Did you ever play Contra Legacy of War? No, I never did. And uh, I might have to rectify that. You should. Hmm. I know you like the Contra games. I do. I uh, see November 20th on, of 2000, Rare releases Banjo-Tooie for the Nintendo 64. One of your favorite games, I believe. Uh, another game that I would love to see a sequel to, but we probably won't. But No. Just, you know, the, these games were just ahead of their time when it came to the platforming genre. And Tui doesn't really get any credit because Kazooie was so popular when it first came out. But Banjo Tui is a good game in its own right. And November 19th of 2002, LucasArts releases Star Wars Bounty Hunter for the PlayStation 2 in North America. I love that game. <laughs> I think this game is underrated. Mm-hmm. Very and much. I think I think one of us should do a review for it. I think I actually have it on my PlayStation on my PlayStation Four. Pretty sure I do because I, I got the uh, the the Battlefront uh, edition of the PlayStation Four, and it came with a bunch of uh, old Star Wars games. I know it came with uh, Super Star Wars for the for the Super Nintendo. Uh, it came with uh, Star Wars Rape. Racers, uh, and I'm pretty sure it came with Bounty Hunter too. I'm gonna have to go look and see if it did. I'm going to play that and review it. You should. Yeah, I I really like Bounty Hunter. I I played it for the GameCube, but it's a really fun game. Yeah, you can pretty much get it. It was on everything back then. So mm -hmm. if you want to get yep. a copy, you can pretty much get it for anything. Uh, yeah. But that brings us to middle of the show. And Derek, would you like to do our shoutouts? Sure. As always, we'd like to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout out John West, Daniel Salmon, Tyler Watson, Axblade07, Armez Jackson, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. I am the Rampage, Rampage. Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Mike Eveland, Jack Eveland, Joey Image and Donna Diamond. Mama thank you Diamond. all so much. Mama <laughs> Diamond, yes, absolutely. Uh, thank you, as always, for your continued contributions and keeping the lights on for us here at the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast. If you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, you get early access to our commentary tracks, which we've done numerous ones throughout the years, including Batman the Animated Series, um, Clue, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which now that it's the holiday season, I need to watch again. <laughs> uh, numerous ones, the Super Mario Brothers movie, the Double Dragon movie, which is one of the worst movies I've ever seen, but <laughs> one of the most fun commentary tracks I think we've ever done. Oh, yeah. And I did want to so, let the patrons know that I, I, I know we didn't get a, a commentary track this month, but I am going to release a uh, an old Pete Pop Culture Palette episode 
uh, in its place this month because just with everything going on, the holidays and then my car going to crap, just everything just kind of fell apart this weekend. So I, we, me and Derek sincerely apologize, but we will be back on the commentary tracks next month. And in the meantime, you get to enjoy a, a fun look back at Pop Culture Palette. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And for new patrons, be sure to send us your social media information, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, so we can give you a proper shout out. Are you a coffee lover? Do you sometimes need that little extra boost for some all-night gaming sessions? Well, you should head over to brezcoffeeco.com. They have so many different flavors of coffee. doesn't matter what type of coffee you like. They got you covered. Try the Good for Gaming Roast or the Two Hardies One Ship, which is a rum and dark chocolate flavored roast. Not to mention, they keep their seasonal flavors all year long, like the Fall Spice or the Sweet Tooth. They can even add flavors to your coffee. So whatever you need, head over to brezcoffeeco.com and use the code NCR for 10% off of your order. And tonight, I'm going to be talking about... Everyone knows that I love a little bit of pinball. I love playing pinball. I, every time I see a pinball machine, I have to play it. Um, I One of my uh, bucket list things is to actually go to the pinball museum and, and in Vegas and go, uh, go check that out. I love pinball. And I always liked pen, the pinball game for the NES, but I always wanted to review it. But it's such a short, simple game. It's like, how do you review something that's... It just is what it is. It's pinball. Like, that's all it is. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a multi-review. And I looked up all the uh, pinball games for that were released for the NES. And there was only about five of them. So downloaded a few ROMs this weekend. Uh, and I have some of these. I have a couple of these actual carts for the Nintendo. But I'm going to go through these one by one. And uh, so originally... Uh, I, I, first one I ever got was of course the black box pinball for the NES. And I think everybody had a copy of this game back in the day, because these things are literally a dime a dozen. I mean, these came with, these came with free, uh, samples of Tide back in the day. You can go to any retro gaming shop right now and buy a copy of pinball for less than $5 and they'll have like 10 copies on the shelf and probably 50 in the back. So if anybody wants to charge you more than $5 for NES black box pinball, you're, you're getting rooked. Just give them like three, four bucks for it. But it out of the five that I played, so I played the black box pinball. I played rollerball, pinball quest, rock and ball and Pinbot. And the original black box pinball was probably my second favorite because it's simple it's the the physics are good. It's a little slow, but the physics, you know, are good. They make sense. But my problem with that game is there's not much variety to it. Uh, it's kind of silent too. There's no not really much music to it, and it does tend to get old pretty quickly. But it is one of those games that I do think you need to have in the collection because it was one of the original 
black box games for the NES. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head. Like it's it's tough to really mess up pinball because the concept mm. is so simple and it's not it's not bad. It's just it's pinball. Mm -hmm. It'd be it'd be like if I tried to review Tetris. Like yeah. I like playing <laughs> Tetris, but what do you really say about it other yeah. than this is what you do with it? Just is what it is. You know, it's yeah. like it's, it's yeah. Pinball. So I mean, it, <laughs> that doesn't make it bad. It's just it's pinball. But for being the black box, you know, straight up just pinball, it's a really good game. I mean, it's fun to play. The physics are good. The graphics are good. You know, it was made by Nintendo. And, yeah, it gets a little tedious and boring after a while, but, you know, it, pinball's not meant to be played for hours and hours and hours. It's good for a, it's it's a good jump in and play and jump out type of thing. It's a time killer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the next one I want to talk about is called Rollerball. Um, and who, uh, this was made by HAL Laboratories. Let me pull up the Wikipedia um, it was by, it made by HAL Laboratory in 1984 for the MSX. An NES version <coughs> was released in 88. Uh, it was designed to be played by one to four players and is an emulation, of course, of a pinball machine. Uh, and my notes here, I, this one felt really slow to me, but it did have music to it. So that was, it had one up on regular old pinball. And the physics are okay. Um, and has more than one board, but I did stop playing it pretty quickly because it just wasn't that fun. Like, it's just not that fun of a game. And usually HAL Laboratories makes made pretty good games for the NES, but it's just one of those... It's not wor really worth buying. Like, if you have regular black box pinball, you're never going to play this one. Like, it's just not... It's It's just not great. Yeah, and and this one just kind of looked, you know, okay to me. Like it's yeah. Everybody knows the black box pinball game, and I I can appreciate you know trying to add a little more to it, but that doesn't automatically make it better. Yeah, and the graphics on this one just are not great. Like they're just mm -mm. kind of bland. At least with the the black box pinball, you know, it's got that black background, but the colors are are bright you know, uh, on it and, and just, it's aesthetically pleasing rollerball just felt really kind of muted and just not really fun to look at. It looked meh. Yeah. It's very meh. Now this is the most interesting one on the list. This is pinball quest. And this is from Jalico. This is the one I was the most excited to play because what I said a couple of weeks ago, um, I have yet to play a bad Jalico game for the NES. All the Jalico games I've played so far are really good. <clears throat> and this one is in 1989. It was published by Jalico. Uh, and it is a mashup of pinball and role-playing game mechanics. Which you're, I know what you're thinking. You're like, that sounds weird. And yes, it is very weird. Uh, and you start off the game, and, and the gameplay is very strange in this one. The, the physics are okay. It's a, it's a little it's a little wonky, a little slow. Um, and you start off, like, the very first board you go to is sort of like a graveyard. And there's trees. And it's not like you're playing an actual pinball table. It's more like you're playing 
outside in an environment like you have your paddles and you hit the ball and it's like hitting trees and like smashing into uh you know headstones and then it's weird because the mechanics are weird because like most of the pinball games that you know they can't fit the whole table on one screen so it's multiple screens and when your ball goes from one part of the table to the other the screen will move and that's how you 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 move around and on this one when you get to another part of the screen, uh, most of the pinball games will just have flippers on the, that part of the screen too. Like in the say the middle of the table, there will be flippers. But this one, you actually have to move the flippers up to that screen from the bottom, which I didn't know you could do that for like the first twenty minutes I was playing it. I kept shooting the ball up to the second part of the screen. I'm like. There's no flippers here. What do I want to do? Like, I, I had no idea what to do. Then I figured out, oh, if you hit up or down, you can move the flippers from to the different screens, which that helped a lot playing the game. Um, and then you get through the first, you kill, you know, the skeletons in the graveyard. And then the next screen you go to, you can actually go, uh, before you go to the next screen, There, you know, you go to a shop where you go in there and you buy, like, more flippers or you know, bumpers or whatever, and then, or you can steal them, which is cool, um, and then you move on to the next screen, and so on, and so on, and that's how it goes, like, it's got those weird little RPG elements to it, it's, it's interesting, but it didn't hold my attention for very long. I would love for this mashup to be tried again, with you know today's graphics and, mm-hmm. and whatnot, and you've we've talked about golf story and tennis story, mm-hmm. like combining RPG elements with those, because the concept of it sounds really interesting to me. So I, I would love to see like a modern take on this. Yeah, that, and that's what I wrote here is like this could be done right today. This could be a very good game if done in a modern way with like actual uh, pinball physics and really good graphics. And having those RPG elements in it, because like I said, playing this, playing it on the NES, like it does, it's not fast like pinball can be. And it's, the physics are very frustrating, like trying to make the ball go to this one little spot on the screen to go to the next screen. And you just can't get it no matter what you do can, is like just so frustrating. That's why I think it would work better in today's setting because you can make the pinball portion as mm-hmm. fast as it should mm-hmm. be. Exactly. And you could actually do that if you could, you know, some games for the, like if you do it on the switch, you can actually turn the switch on its side, you know, and play that way. Like that would be very interesting to be able to play like a pinball RPG type of game. I'd be really into it. Like it, it had interesting elements to it. it it's interesting, but it's sort of like uh, Friday the 13th by LJN. Like, there, there, there's a good game in there. They just didn't have the, the hardware to pull it off yet. Maybe the creators of Golf and Tennis Story will do Pinball Story next. <laughs> I, and I, they'd get money from me. I love pinball. Yeah. Add RPG elements, I'm in. But it just, it just wasn't that fun on the NES. It was a bit disappointing. This is the first Jalico game I've played that was just kind of meh. Like, it was a great idea. Like, I was really excited to try it, but it just wasn't executed correctly. Mm. And up next, let's see, uh, Rock and Ball. 
And this one is from... Uh, who made this? Let's see. Uh, let me read it here. So it was released in Japan as Family Pinball. Uh, it was originally released in 89. It was released in both Japan and North America. In the North American version, fictional human characters are used instead of the licensed Namco characters. Four male characters and two female characters are at the player's disposal. Um, there are several gameplay options in the game. Some are regular pinball for up to four players, which resembles a game of Pac-Man. Uh, nine ball, where balls are knocked into a bingo pattern. Battle pinball, which operates more like Pong. And sports pinball, where the pinball game becomes more similar to soccer or hockey. Uh, it, it was interesting because there were those different, the you know, the four different um, styles of pinball, but it's kind of like, um, it was a little bit like rollerball where the, it just wasn't pretty to look at. It was very muted and mediocre. Uh, the music wasn't all that great. And I didn't play it for very long because it just didn't didn't do anything for me. It's one of those things that like it it sounds good on paper, mm-hmm. but the execution was not there. Yeah, it's just the physics are really just kind of wonky and, and kind of like in rollerball where it's just kind of slow and just I don't know, it just wasn't. You know the graphics aren't great, and it just felt like one of those games that they they didn't have enough of a game to justify like a full price tag. So they put those other three game types in there to make one full game, and even all four of those together don't really make one full game to to justify like a full game price for it. Yeah. So I mean, if you're really into pinball games and you and you come across these and you can get them for a good price, go ahead and get them. I would say, uh, you know, Pinball Quest is probably the more interesting one, even though the cover art's really good for that one. But my favorite of the bunch, and this is the last one, I've been I, I was wanting to review this for a long time. Um, Penbot. It was made by Rare, one of our favorite companies. Uh, is definitely the most polished and my favorite of all of these. Graphics are beautiful. Might be a little much at times because it is so bright and just like like actual uh, pinball. But the physics are comparable to actual pinball. The music is that I played the music at the top of the the segment here. Music's really good. It is top tier NES. You know capabilities as far as, as physics and um, the, the the graphics and the music. It's really good. But my problem with the game, and, and this is a good problem to have, but there was so much going on on the screen and sometimes with like the flashing lights. And if, if you have uh, epilepsy, do not play this game. Just do not play this game at all. Because you will have a seizure with all the lights and just so much going on at the same time. Yeah, it looked like it really pushed the NES's limits graphic-wise. And everybody knows what a rare fan I am, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's why I like them, because they make good quality games, especially around this time and even going into you know the 2000s like it's one of those publishers that if you saw the the name on the box you knew you were getting quality stuff yeah 
And, you know, it is just pinball, so it, it, it just depends on whether or not you're a huge pinball fan, whether or not you would actually want to buy this and play it. But it is the most solid out of all the pinball, 8-bit pinball games that were made for the NES, this was probably the best one you could get. Um, and it was saying here, the NES version of the game successfully scoring a solar bonus during multi-ball causes the play field to change, effectively resulting in six different uh, levels of play field. And, you know, that's one of my biggest complaint about the pinball games on the NES is there's not much variety because of the limitations of the system. But this game, Pinbot, actually pulls it off nicely. So uh, this is definitely my favorite of the bunch. Yeah, it looks like, you know, from what I've seen of of this set of games you reviewed, this will be the one that I would want to play the most. Yeah, and I think it would be too. I, between this and the regular pinball, really those are the two that represent pinball very well on the, the NES. And I love some pinball. And I think the only thing that I don't like about the regular pinball, the black box pinball, like I said, is just it's kind of slow. But the physics are good for it, and it's just there's just not much there. It's just like one single play field of pinball. Pinbot actually gives you a lot to do for what it is. Yeah, but and I think that's why I would enjoy it. But uh, but I you know I if you're gonna pick up any of these, definitely pick up Pinbot. It's worth you know I think these were pretty much a dime a dozen like the. Uh, like pinball, the black box pinball. So I, I see, I see pinbot all over the place uh, when I go to retro gaming stores and stuff. So I don't think it's that expensive. Maybe between five and ten bucks to pick up a copy. But if, if you're if you're a Nintendo collector, pinbot definitely needs to be in the collection. Pinbot and regular black box pinball. Those two should be the two pinball games you have in the collection. I agree. But that's that brings me to the end of the list. Uh, they only released like five pinball games for the NES out of like eleven hundred games released for the <laughs> NES. Only five of them were pinball, and only two of them are good. That's <laughs> yeah, not a good ratio. Yeah, but you know, take what you can get. Pinbot makes it all worthwhile because I think that's the best one of the bunch. Yeah. You got me wanting to. Do you remember the old like Space Age pinball game that was on most computers in the nineties? Mm, oh, of course, yeah. That, that this has got me wanting to play that because <laughs> I played that so much oh, when, yeah. when I was growing up. So I think I might do this more in, in the future going forward, where there's something that I really want to review, but they didn't make very many versions of something for like the NES or the Super Nintendo, and you can kind of combine them all under one title and do multiple reviews of multiple games. Yeah. I I like that. That'd shake things up a little bit. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, sports games that are like that. Like uh, what if we did one for the football games that were on the NES, you could have Tecmo bowl, Tecmo super bowl, um, regular old football. (laughs) I think they Mm -hmm. put out like, I think there was black box football or something like that. We could do that, you know, in like late January, early February before the Super Bowl. Yeah, we could do that. Because Tecmo Bowl is still one of the greatest football games ever made. Uh, absolutely. 
Oh man, I have so many good memories of that game. I'd still rather play that than like the last few Maddens that came out. Yeah, pretty much. Personally. Madden's there hasn't the... been a good Madden game since like 2010. Dude, Madden's put out the same game for like 20 years now. It's just a roster people... update and they charge you $70 for it. People are still buying it. Well, they could say the same thing about us with Nintendo, so. Yeah, oh, true. Well. <laughs> but uh, but that brings us to the end of the episode. And I hope you guys go play some pinball on the NES. And I think pin, regular black box pinball, if I'm not mistaken, it is on the Nintendo uh, Online, Switch for Switch Online. I, I believe it is. Uh, not sure about Pinbot. I don't think it is, but it should be. But uh, old school like black box pinball, I'm I'm pretty confident that it is. Yeah. Um, but that brings us to the end of the episode. And uh, Derek, is there anything else you'd like to throw out there before we leave this evening? I'm not sure what I'm going to review next week. I've narrowed it down to a couple of ideas. So um, stay tuned next week to find out uh, what I'll be reviewing next. Um, should have a official announcement for the feature premiere either next week or the week after. So um, stay tuned for that. And you can follow me at D Diamond Film on social media. And for the premiere of the feature, we're going to have Mr. Diamond on open micers in January. So he'll be back for what you're like, your fourth visit on the show? My my trifecta. <laughs> yeah. My third one. Third visit. Man, uh, it's going to be fun. Oh, absolutely. But uh, let's see. What do I got going on other than uh, go check out open micers? where um, we just released an episode called Wi-Fi Giraffes, and you're going to have to just listen to find out what the hell I was talking about when I refer to Wi-Fi Giraffes, at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. That sounds like the name of an amazing tech company. Yeah. Actually, if I ever start a tech company, I'm going to call it Wi-Fi Giraffes. I'd be your first customer. <laughs> uh, but Christmas is coming up, and you know what that means? That means I'm probably going to review Code Veronica after, after not at, not next week, but the week after. I think that's going to be my next review. I like it. But, uh, but that's going to do it. And um, just one more time, before we get out of here, thank you, everybody, for, for sticking with us for 300 episodes. That was amazing. And love every single one of you guys out there. Thank you for hanging with us. Absolutely. But that's going to bring us to the end. And if you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And you can go to nerdcaveretro.com. That takes you straight to our link tree, which takes you to our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, and, of course, our merch shop, which is having a 40% off Black Friday through Cyber Monday sale at ncrmerch.com. Go get a T-shirt, hat, mug, whatever you need, magnet, sticker. We got it all. And, of course, patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. As little as a dollar a month gets you all of our extra episodes and our commentary tracks and all that good stuff. If you can't do that, can't leave us any money every month, that's okay. Leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show!